What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Goat Show. It is uh, Friday, November eleventh. Um, week just went by. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Goat. Back with Ryan today from Greatness Debates. Uh, yeah, Ryan, what's going on? Nothing much. How about you? Oh, way too much, but uh, <laughs> that's that's just uh, how things go this that's time right. of year. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just been a crazy one. I haven't even had, I haven't even had time to get go to the week stuff set up. So it's either going to be uh, late this week or not at all, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, pretty interesting week of games. Some things, yeah, like objectively, a lot of weird stuff. If you look at like the Dolphins beating the Ravens in prime time. Um, the Washington football team upset over the Buccaneers. And then, of course, the uh, the Steelers and Lions, 16-16 to 16 tie. Um, Ew. Yeah. So we'll, Ew. we'll unpack all that in a minute. Just, yeah, a lot of kind of interesting stuff, but nothing. I don't know. It was. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. Yeah. Let's just get into it. Um, <laughs> we've had a few really, like, weird weeks in a row. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe this just doesn't phase me as much. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, let's kick things off. Looking at the Dolphins over the Ravens uh, on Thursday Night Football, 22 to 10. Um, I really never saw this one coming. I thought, yeah, I just thought the Ravens were a better team than this. Um, I think it really goes to show how tough that short week can be, especially when the Ravens were coming off an overtime game uh, the previous Sunday. Offensively, they just couldn't get much going, uh, evident by the 10 points on the scoreboard. And the defense could not make a stop when they needed it, especially like, um, I think it was late in the game. I I think it was like the, sorry, I'm, um, like before right. the last so the, uh, yeah the Ravens scored a touchdown then it was 15 mm-hmm. to 10 and then it was like alright you got four minutes left uh, just get the ball back and then the defense gave up like a 60 yard play yeah just complete broken play yeah so that receiver like, forget his name admittedly just got, just got wide open down the field and that pretty much set up the game to end yeah, I believe that one was Albert Wilson. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, just crazy. Um, like, yeah, you think of how how well coached the Ravens have been under Harbaugh. Uh, I don't know if it's just the injuries thing. They're just lacking the quality players that they need in those situations or what, but – Uh, Even, like, Marlon Humphrey, who's been a consistent Pro Bowl corner the past few years, just hasn't been at that same level this season. He's given up a lot of big plays in his own right. So, Yeah, I I saw a joke where – so, you know how he tweeted after a game that uh, uh, Marlon Humphrey tweeted that Jalen Waddle's going to be top 10 by next year? Yeah. And apparently somebody replied, yeah, if he plays you every game. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, he beat me, but like he's he's really really good. I promise. Yeah, it's like, like 
damn, just just did him dirty. Just did Marlon Humphrey so dirty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was cold. Um but yeah, credit to the Dolphins for taking advantage here. Um and yeah, making those plays when they needed to. Tua came off the bench, uh still recovering from the thumb injury, I believe. Uh and was yeah, solid, efficient, obviously made that big play, like we said, but finished the game with a hundred and four passer rating um yeah definitely did his job outperformed what Jacoby Brissett was doing so mm-hmm. um yeah credit to him uh yeah I don't know in a weird way this kind of shows um and it's kind of this isn't the first game like this that we've seen but I feel like every time um every time Lamar Jackson has an off game not even terrible but just not great the Ravens as a whole suffer so much and I think that really feeds into just how valuable he is if that makes sense yeah yeah I think it totally makes sense I've said numerous times that I think that Lamar is the most valuable player in football at this moment and the I've also said I think the Ravens success relies a lot more on Lamar Jackson performing at a high level, performing at an MVP level. I think the Ravens depend on him more than what people think. And in a situation like this, where the Dolphins were getting a ton of pressure on him, it seemed like every single drop back, they were pressuring Lamar. I think they blitzed him at 60% of his dropbacks, which is ridiculously high. And they were successful. And uh, one thing that you didn't note on is like, is just kind of how poor the Ravens' play calling was, in my opinion. It, it looked like the Vikings' play calling, where it was, all, it was either halfback dives or wide receiver screens. It was really bad, yeah. Sorry, that and, did slip my mind when I was thinking about this one. But it was brutal what I did watch. Yeah, yeah, and that's that has kind of stuck in my mind when watching the game. It's like, I feel like... Greg Roman's obviously done a lot for Lamar in terms of bringing in this more college-like, uh, you know, pistol and spread concepts, which has allowed mm-hmm. Lamar to flourish. You know, the sort of, you know, utilizing his incredible athleticism to be this amazing quarterback, and, and you know, from P season until now. But I would argue that Greg Roman holds back Lamar at this point more than he helps him if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the position they were in, um, yeah, like, the screens and stuff aren't working. You have a guy who we've seen can put the ball downfield, and you have the weapons to do it now. I just, yeah, I don't know why he didn't open that up. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely weird looking at a guy who, I believe he won assistant coach of the year um, for – Lamar's MVP season mm-hmm. but yeah here we are and this is the kind of conversation we're having so yeah it's kind of like a student becoming a teacher kind of situation where like Greg Roman or Lamar kind of needed Greg Roman to put in the concept that really suited his ability but now Lamar's kind of grown mm-hmm. beyond that if that makes sense to where yeah. Roman hasn't really advanced alongside Lamar. So like Lamar's really up to his level, but Greg Roman hasn't. 
And um, I just feel like they need to allow things to kind of open up in the passing game. And like you said, like they have the weapons, you know, Rashad Bateman was on the field and he's really talented. And then you have Marquise Brown, who's having a really solid season and Andrews you know, in Sammy Watkins, they have the guys to do it. And it, it really hurt them this game, not have, not having a threatening passing game because that allowed the Dolphins to put, to blitz them so much. You know, yeah. Not- I mean, sorry. I was just going to add the last time, uh, the Ravens did play the Dolphins. Lamar tore them apart through the air. Like, <laughs> yeah, and he's he's come such a long way since then, and this offense as a whole really has. So I don't know why they were so limited this game. Yeah, and and it really cost him. And I know what you said. You know, the the overtime win versus the Vikings, and that could send in fatigue. Um. This, this take I'm going to have doesn't pertain just to this game, but I think this game's a great example of it. I really don't like Thursday night games, and I just feel like I just feel like it's bad for players. And I just would rather – I think it would be better for the rhythm of teams to just be on Sunday or Monday. I just don't really like Thursday night games, and I know the league does because money, but – I don't. I've just never been a fan of Thursday night games. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, compared to the other primetime games, they do definitely usually uh, underwhelm. So yeah, and I know this is a weird thing. I also just don't like the presentation of NFL Network versus other networks. Oh yeah, Aikman and Buck calling the game, so that makes it even worse. (laughs) But like. I don't know. I'm just not a fan of the Thursday night, like, kind of atmosphere. Yeah. And then, I don't know. It's just kind of ugly compared to, like, Sunday night and Monday night football presentations. And granted, I'm not a huge fan of the announcers for Monday night football either, but you kind of got to take what you can get. Yeah. Not everyone can be Gus Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) I I wish they could, but not everyone can be Gus Johnson. Yeah, maybe one day we'll get that kind of situation. But um, <laughs> yeah, just not not a good week to be a uh, AFC North team, unless you're the Bengals who didn't play. Um, still not. Still, probably, I don't. <laughs> good time to be a fan of them either. But yeah, um, but yeah, moving along, the uh, Steelers and Lions, sixteen to sixteen tie. Um, very strange, but also when I think about it, not surprising. Like, if I somebody mean, would have told me beforehand that this game would end in a 16 to 16 tie, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> it would be a lot more believable than most games, just with how prone the Steelers are to kind of these underwhelming performances and, um, yeah, just kind of where the Lions have been. It it makes sense on a level. Um, but yeah, I guess the question is, did anybody really want to win this game? Um, I figure with the way that the NFL overtime rules work, I feel like if you do end up with a tie, it really is a loss for both sides. Because if you go through a whole other quarter and can't do anything, um, you, you really the tie is kind of a cop-out. Like, you, both teams really do deserve um, a loss in that case. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the OT rules just kind of stink in general, but especially ties. They're just so ugly looking on a record as well. Like, yeah. it just, ugh. But to comment on this game, did anybody want to win? It really didn't seem like it. <laughs> and you said you weren't surprised, you know, that this that this game was a tie. Well, I mean, going in, I thought we were going to lose. So <laughs> I guess this is technically better, although it's really worse. Like it's it's even it's even worse. I had to sit through another quarter of that. Oh, and, yeah. Because I was just like, there's a certain point in the game where I was like, I was just relieved not to lose. And that's when you know that you've hit rock bottom. Yeah. Like, like, you know, on Saturday night when I saw that uh, Big Ben was going to miss the game with the, he got, he got, you know, he self-reported COVID symptoms. Yeah. I just knew that um, our, our knee, our kneecaps were at risk. <laughs> and then, and then during the game and then starting Mason kind of throwing wolves because he wasn't preparing like us, you know, preparing with the first team starter reps all week. Right. And he certainly played like it. I said my takeaways post that he threw 50 passes and it was 50 more passes than I ever want to f- see him throw. <laughs> and, and this was her thing of that. Um, but at the same time, m- the majority of the fan base is blaming Mason. And I give him a lot of blame, especially late in the game when the Steelers defense kept getting stop after stop. And all I needed to do was get like two first downs, which would have set up a possible field goal, which would have won the game. And he just couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. And in the looking at the way the receivers were getting separation, and Mason would just miss them. Or I, I, if Ben was playing, the Steelers probably won this game by at least two touchdowns. So it sucks, sucks to see a tie, but it's kind of a situation where it just kind of is what it is, especially yeah. the Steelers' run defense falling asleep for what seemed like two quarters <laughs> for getting at a tackle. And then you get to overtime, and you have two chances to win, and you fumble them both away, literally. It was just a terribly dumb performance that, again, I'm kind of just numb to. Yeah. It's like Vikings on this game-winning field goal. They're just like numb to these poor performances. So it's like not even that alarming. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely valid. Um, I did not take the time to watch through this one, but <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think anyone blames me for that. Um, the yeah. the Steelers should take a page out of Motor City Dan's book and and just take the film and just bury it. <laughs> like just just forget about this game. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it, it never. You know, just do the men in black, the little device that makes yeah. you forget and, and just move on. Yeah. Well, you you, you did get the uh, the first tie of the 17-game era, so there's some history for you right there. Whoopee. We'll take, we'll take our partic- participation medal on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. On the road against the Chargers uh, this week on Sunday Night Football, eh? Yeah, but... <laughs> We're gonna be without Hayden, oh Joe Hayden and Watt and Minka and potentially Ben, so um, that's gonna be an uphill battle for sure. Yeah, that I not expect to win, but knowing them, they'll find a way to make it close and then lose. (laughs) 
So I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but um, it's kind of funny that how fast things can change. Because like after the Bears win, no matter how controversial it was, they they won the game on the record yeah. book. Yeah. You know, after that, we're like, I'm like, wow, we're actually in a much better place than what I thought we'd be. And then it's just just rock bottom on that Saturday yeah. night, and it's just been downhill since then. So knowing them, they've been resilient after starting really poor you know with those um losses to the Raiders and Bengals they picked it up but um I don't know it, it's it's just it's I mean they they say they say they don't they don't uh, win games pretty. things typically aren't pretty with them so um mm-hmm. I guess I'll just see how they put things together because I mean they once went eight and eight with Mason and Duck as their two starting quarterbacks for the majority of the season so yeah if anybody can figure it out, it's uh, Steel City, Mike. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the division is still pretty much wide open. So, yeah, if they if they beat Detroit, they would have been first. Yeah. Talk about talk about just fumbling the bag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving on from that, uh, really quick, the uh, the Colts beat the Jaguars and. I don't think I have anything else to say about that, but uh, we should acknowledge that it did happen. Um, yeah. Did you have anything else to throw in kind of about that in general? Oh, not really, to be honest. Um, it was just, you know, the Colts needed that one. Yeah. You know, I think they're at what, five and five now. And, you know, they're, they're a really good team. They got the short end of the stick early in the season, but um, I don't know. I, I think they can be a threat. And um, especially with the Titans situation with Henry, who knows what's going to happen with them if their offense will take a dive. So, you know, they're they're still in it at five and five in the hyper competitive AFC. But the only thing I, I really have to know about this game was that um hard knocks or midseason hard knocks with them. The uh, first episode came out on HBO Max. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I I watched it last night, and I thought it was actually pretty solid. You know, they um they kind of did a piece on um Wentz and or Carson Wentz and Frank Reich's relationship, which I found really interesting. Oh, yeah. They touched upon um Carson Wentz, you know Carson Wentz's wife's pregnant, which, right? With his um second child, she she's a gave birth to the second child after their most yeah. recent game. So they talked about like his family. They talked about Darius Leonard's family, which I found interesting. They talked about Darius Leonard in general. And um, I just think the Colts were a really interesting team to choose just because of where they are right now as a team that's going to be fighting and clawing every game to get in yeah. the playoff race. And then they have obviously a, a rich history, a lot of talented players. Like I, uh, I'm interested to see what, when they start talking to a Blankenship and see, oh, yeah. what, and, and see it when uh, maybe him build some Lego sets for the uh, crew. But uh, yeah. overall, like, I just find this way more interesting than the normal hard, hard knocks where it's mm. usually over-dramatized and no offense to bottom of the roster guys because they're super talented in their own rights. But I don't really care to see guys I'll never see on Sundays. But, like, I'd rather see the show focusing on, like, Carson Wentz and Darius Leonard rather yeah. than dudes that are like, I'll never see this guy play in the NFL game outside of the preseason. So season hard knocks is a great idea. 
access to the the Dallas Cowboys training camp hard knocks. Mm, cool, cool. Yeah, it's definitely definitely an interesting direction to take it. Uh, I honestly haven't watched um, either the preseason or um, <laughs> sorry this midseason version, but um, yeah, it should be looking down the stretch for them. They have the Bills this week, and then the Bucks before the Texans and a bye, so almost two byes, but um, <laughs> cold, but. <laughs> yeah, they're they're just I think they're just outside the playoff race right well not outside the race, but you know what I mean. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. Just outside, outside the playoffs right now. They gotta win some games down the stretch. Um so we'll have to see after the bye, they have the Patriots, Cardinals, Raiders, and Jaguars. A lot of games that could go either way. Um, but yeah, hmm. they've been pretty good lately, so the fact that they started 0-3 and, and are still kind of in playoff contention is, yeah, really good sign yeah. for them. It's kind of crazy. Like, you, you name those teams, I'm like, wow, that, that's tough teams. And you just hear name the teams in their division that they're playing. Like, oh, that, that should be a <laughs> – that that should be ones where they definitely win. Yeah. Uh, I know when they – even the opening of the show, Frank Reich was talking about their keys to success as a team and one of them needed to be to dominate within the division. And oh, yeah. um, luckily for them, you have the Jaguars and the Tech. So that's that's two pieces of that for the, uh, for them take, taking on the three teams for that trifecta of the AFC South. So, you know, it's nice to get some lesser teams to play to help get those wins that they desperately need. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to see how they match up um, with those better teams. They haven't been able to come away with any of those really yet this year. But uh, I think they're they're capable. Uh, we'll just have to – yeah, we'll have to see. Um, moving on, pretty exciting game from this week was the Washington football team victory over the defending Super Bowl champions. Um, Washington kind of got that – yeah, the win that they fought so hard for in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> defense made plays. Offense took what was there when they needed it. They had that huge drive, huge in the fourth <laughs> quarter that just absolutely drained the clock. Um, yeah, all around. Just a pretty pretty impressive game. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I wish it was more exciting but there wasn't a lot of like flash in this one it was just a gritty strong win mm-hmm. yeah and and i like you touched upon that last drive and honestly i watched i watched the whole thing through team all season to think about it, they got the ball with like 10 33 left in the fourth quarter and then the buccaneers get the ball back down what nine points with 30 I think it was seconds a full left. 10. It was 10? Yeah. It was 10. Yeah, down um, down 10 with like 30 seconds left. Yeah. Like, to think about how perfectly executed that is, is just miraculous. Even with them, um, didn't they, they took a knee on a two-point conversion, right? Which is I actually so. pretty smart when you think about it to not, because let's say they, um, they got a, the kick blocked and returned for two points, then it's a one score game. 
yeah. with the Buccaneers getting the ball back. So it's kind of that low-key kind of smart play that you wouldn't really think about in the moment. So um, credit to the WFT for you know going in. I was like, oh, oh boy, the Bucks playing the worst-ranked pass defense in the NFL. This is not going to go well. To see them pick off Brady twice and then have this big win, you know, credit to them for uh, make, making some uh, meme-worthy, have a nice meme-worthy win. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, um, the feeling old yet meme. Yeah. I, I made my night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, but a 19-play drive. Um to yeah essentially put the game away it's also if you consider that that was right after uh mike evans 40 yard uh catch and run touchdown um so that easily could have been like a momentum shifter but they just yeah um Mm -hmm. buckled down i guess and put it away just yep buckled yeah down buck that was not intentional, but uh, I am glad it happened. Um, <laughs> yeah, anything else to throw in for this one before we move along? Not really. Just just credit to the WFT for a big win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another pretty interesting one: uh, Titans over the Saints, twenty-three to twenty-one. Considering how banged up these teams are right now, uh, obviously the Titans missing. Uh, Derek Henry, Julio Jones, Saints don't have Seamus Winston, Alvin Kamara missed this game. Um, so yeah, all things considered, this I 23 to 21, uh, really came down to it. <coughs> Sorry, um, <coughs> I'm okay, okay, <laughs> kind of, maybe, maybe. um. Yeah, sorry. So the Titans kind of really asserted that they are still not only alive without Henry, but possibly pretty good. Uh, And the Saints, yeah, came up just short despite their best efforts once again. They do have a tough stretch coming up. Um, So I don't know what to expect in terms of playoffs for them right now. Um, Obviously, anything can happen. I think they end up on the outside uh, unless they really turn it up, but mm-hmm. um, they should be pretty dangerous next year with uh, assuming they bring Winston back, they'll get Michael Thomas, <clears throat> hopefully another weapon or two. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting team, um, especially when you think about, yeah, where they've been the past few years coming out of the Drew Brees era, they're in a pretty good position. Yeah, it's. I mean, the NFC wildcard race is pretty open, but um, yeah, it's just hard to see with the, the current offensive situation them going very far. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, getting James back next, James back next year, and having Sean Payton as their coach, I I, I still think things are going to be good in New Orleans, and um, even if they don't make the playoffs this year, it could be kind of like. New England last year, kind of like a sort of semi-rebuild or yeah. semi-reload year where they kind of have to figure things out with their longtime quarterback leaving. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, things should be on the ups for them going forward, just knowing who's in their building. So I, I know it's 
they're sort of in a weird spot right now. But um, I I think the Saints. I don't think things are too low that there for them, even if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I on the other end, I don't want to downsell uh, what the Titans did here because just looking now, they're on a six-game win streak. Um, I believe five of those teams made the playoffs last year, if I remember correctly, which I might not because mm-hmm. – um, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, of course the Rams made the playoffs last year. Um, sorry, I just had to <laughs> that. Um, yeah, in the past six weeks, at, noted after the, uh, the overtime loss to the Jets where they didn't have – a single wide receiver really, but um <laughs> yeah, six games in a row with wins, five straight against teams that made the playoffs last year. Um so that's yeah, really incredible. They have the Texans this week, uh for the first time this season, and then the Patriots the week after that, which could be really interesting with how those mm-hmm. two teams are right now. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, offense has been solid without Henry, not obviously not as good as they are with him, but, um, (laughs) they've been good at the defense has really stepped up the past couple of weeks. So that's, yeah, good sign for them. Um, sitting at the top of the AFC right now. (laughs) Um, yeah, which is even crazy to think, you know, if he, if he had Henry all healthy for now and the future for us this season, would you consider them the top? contender in the AFC well on paper they kind of are right now anyways um yeah I don't know how much that'll hold up without Henry but just think about like sustainability without him yeah um we'll have to see but I think like with how the defense has been playing and the rest of their matchups down the stretch I think like so they have the Texans this week, then the Patriots, Jaguars, Steelers, 49ers, Dolphins, Texans is their last five games, yeah. um, which realistically could all be wins. Um, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be surprised by any stretch if they won out. Um, yeah, sorry, in those last five games. Uh Obviously, nothing's guaranteed. The Titans have been kind of up and down in the past. Um, but, yeah, I just with how kind of fresh they are at being a top team like this, I it's tough to say because I don't have a ton ton of faith in them, but they're, they're built that they should be able to um, – yeah, I mean, the number – the top seed is in their hands – right now and it's <laughs> theirs to lose at this point yeah. um and that's even in mind um henry might be back to the playoffs so hmm. yeah just a lot to a lot to monitor there in tennessee yeah it's just in general with the afc it's it's literally up for grabs and it's never really been like that in recent years so it's pretty exciting yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, a lot of possibilities with different teams. It's, it's been a really up and down year for 
everybody around the league, it seems like there's no clear MVP candidate. There's no, or sorry, not candidate, but you know, no yeah, clear yeah. MVP leader. Um, there's no like super dominant team really. And unless you want to consider like the Cardinals um, at full strength, but they haven't been the past couple of weeks. So it's <laughs> easy to forget, I suppose. Um, yeah. All around, it's just a really exciting year because so much could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're ready from there, I'd like to move along. Yeah. Looking at the uh, the Patriots over the Browns, forty five to seven, uh, just unbelievable volatility from the Browns beating <laughs> the Bengals forty one to sixteen the week before, and then losing forty five to seven the next. Um, I don't think I really have the means to research that, but I can't imagine that this happened very often. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, this that's just crazy to even think about. But, you know, the, I, I guess the Browns are just the Browns. Right after we thought that maybe they're not, and then they come so, out and do this. And it's maybe it's just the Belichick thing, but, like, yeah, I mean that. I'm granted that that um sentence has kind of like an in, an ambiguous meaning. Yeah. So you could say like, "Oh, the Browns are Browns," or you could say like, "Oh, the Browns are the Browns." So yeah. like, I feel it's upon how you how you're phrasing it, or not how you're how you're uh, the tone of your voice when you're yeah, saying for it. Sure. Yeah, I mean they're sitting at the bottom of the AFC right or sorry AFC uh, North right North. now, five mm-hmm. five, which like we said is still anybody's division, but. It changes constantly too. <laughs> yeah, they still have the Ravens twice in the next uh, four weeks. A they team they have... really haven't beaten in their "quote unquote" new era. Yeah, Just... uh, they still have the Steelers and Bengals coming up to end the year, and then you know the uh, the Raiders and Packers sprinkled in the middle there. So mm-hmm. I don't like it's kind of put up or shut up time. Um, if you think about it, like, yeah, I mean, this could go either way for them. They could pull a couple rabbits out of a hat and finish with 10 plus wins, or they could, yeah, just blow it down the stretch and miss the playoffs completely. So, um, that would be crazy to think about with, you know, a roster as talented as theirs is, in my opinion, the most talented in the AFC. Just looking at some of their position groups, how just loaded it is. To think that there's a high chance they miss the playoffs. Like, there's probably a higher chance they miss the playoffs than they make it. Not saying that they won't make it, but like just looking at the division and looking at their competition, looking at some of the injuries they've sustained. It's it's kind of weird to to think that like they could very well end up winning like seven eight games missing the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, it's just weird. Just thinking how like how good this team could be and almost should be, and they're just like losing forty five to seven is like. Granted, the Patriots are legitimately good right now, um, but it's still terrible. Like, I didn't want the uh, the story of this segment kind of to kind of to be how bad the Browns were in this, but um, 
yeah, that really stands out. It's weird that we're looking at a 45 to 7 um, game and not giving proper credit right away to the team yeah. that put up 45 points and held the other fair team enough, to 7. <laughs> um, which, I mean, yeah, we've been we've been pretty good at giving the Patriots uh, credit through this mm-hmm. season. Um, obviously, we saw what they did last night as well against the Falcons. We'll talk about that hopefully on the next show. But going into this week, so through weeks 7 to 10, um, they had a plus 100-point differential, which... Hashtag Rip Bozo. <laughs> like um, your, your name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... Just out of curiosity, because I don't... I wish... Because I use uh, Pro Football Reference for all my little research stuff like that. Um, I wish there was a way to look up, like, certain game intervals. Mm-hmm. Where I'd be like, oh, what was the like best point differential for a four game stretch? Um, but I, unless I'm doing something wrong, I don't think there's a way to do that. So I'd have to literally go through like every four game uh, interval myself. Um, but just looking at week seven to 10, the, uh, like I said, 2021, they're at plus 100. And through weeks, Seven to ten, two thousand seven, when they were undefeated, uh, they were only plus seventy. So, uh, granted, I did. What's that? (laughs) Only plus (laughs) seventy. Yeah, granted, I did realize afterwards that um, they did have a buy in there as well, but (laughs) um, you know that's why it was only on my other page and not a serious thing. I didn't even realize that either. So, yeah, I read that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, including last night, they're sitting at seven and four. A couple tough tests coming up with the Titans next week and the Bills after that before their bye. Um, really interesting, but they're they're doing a lot of good things right now. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of back to playing the football that they were during their dynasty. Um, Dominant defense, savvy special teams play, the most underrated aspect of the game, in my opinion, special teams. And then offensively, they're back to the similar style or the quote-unquote Brady system that they've been running. This sort of West Coast, you know, running to establish play action, quick reads, screens, etc. The kind of stuff they dominated with, with Brady and Mac Jones. You know, we, we even talked about it when Mac Jones got drafted. And, you know, I was never very high on him, admittedly. But um, once he went to New England, my whole attitude shifted because I was like, well, he's perfect for this team. He's perfect for yeah. the, the style that they want to play. And, you know, credit to him for learning that playbook at such a young age and just playing the fundamentally sound football that they're looking for. So all in all, you know, things are clicking for New England. And – um. Kind of like I made a post on it today on, on Gritton's Debates. And um, I think people saying Mac Jones is the best rookie quarterback. Like, yes, statistically, you know, winning-wise, he is. But he's not the quote-unquote best rookie in the sense, yeah. I think, like ability, like projecting forward. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best of this class. I mean, Justin Fields, Lance, like – 
if I was doing a redraft, I'm still taking Jones. And I know people throw at, you know, throw stats at me like 85% of a quarterback success is situation. And if any of those guys landed on New England instead of Mac Jones, they would be having an incredible amount of success, or at least in my Probably. opinion. At least, like, for sure, if you switched, like, Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, uh, the Patriots would probably be exactly where they are, and the Jaguars would probably be, be worse somehow. But, um, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, tough to say with those other guys, just kind of given their different skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, it's just kind of right place, right time for Mac Jones, and he's doing well with what he has. Yeah, and he deserves props for that. But at the same time, I, I feel like people are saying like, "Oh, he was an elite prospect," and you and you guys slept on him. Like, well, no, he just landed in the perfect spot. And yeah, credit to him, and credit to New England for coaching him up and getting him to play at such a high level. But like, yeah, and at the same time, I'm still taking three quarterbacks from this draft in sense of talent over him. Like, I said in the comment, I'm like, well, if Trevor Lawrence land in New England, it would be like if Bill Belichick got his hands on Peyton Manning instead of Tom Brady. And I, I know that sounds preposterous to say, but I just using for the sake of like comparison. Yeah. Like, imagine if Trevor Lawrence ever landed on New England, like just like they the Patriots would be even better than what they are now. And what they are now is an AFC is a contender to win the AFC with how good they're playing. So you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of credit to everyone around, all around in that building, and um, it, it really shows that, you know, as much as people and the media want to give Brady an insane amount of props, you know, the Patriot way, quote unquote, it, it's real, and the way they prepare, and the way that they build these teams and these coaching staffs, it's legit, and in my opinion, that was the biggest reason as to why they had the most prominent dynasty in North American the history of North American sports. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um a couple scandals in there too, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll Yeah, that kinda we'll, kinda muddies the waters a little bit, but um at least not in the in the eyes of the, the media that tried to well and Roger Goodell who tried to kinda sweep it under the rug, but you kind of have yeah. to take it out sometimes, just to uh, just just to remind the the general public. Yeah, I feel like people don't remember that kind of stuff as much as they should, because that is, I don't want to really unpack that, but that is kind of a big deal. Yeah, especially like, uh, Deflategate, in my opinion, um, it uh, teams have been messing around with balls for so long that like I don't think it's that big of a deal, but Spygate is like. Arguably, some like should have gotten Bill Belichick kicked out of the league. Like when you think about the actual like facts behind it, and also the the rumors that Roger Goodell helped cover it up, oh. which is actual evidence to him conspiring to destroy a lot of the evidence in that case. Something I read on. I would encourage other people who mm. would disagree with what I'm saying to also read up on. It's also not something that would surprise me knowing the NFL, but yeah, I mean, I feel like Spygate is a bigger scandal than what people remember it as, but at the same time, 
you know, I feel like I feel like when you bring up their dynasty and their have to mention that alongside everything else. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was I was already I was already pretty sure that the uh, the whole Patriots dynasty was some kind of setup conspiracy. Um, but that <laughs> that good L destroying evidence thing really really confirms that for me. So yeah, I appreciate that little bit of knowledge there. Um, yeah, I mean, look, read it for yourself, <laughs> just for you know, like just just to be more acquainted on it. I, yeah, I, I read that a very long time ago, but like when I saw it, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's probably true. Like. <laughs> It wouldn't surprise me if that was true. Yeah. Knowing some of the shady business, a lot of businesses participate in shady things, but the NFL has had their fair share of it. So, like, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to to know that. But yeah, uh, I'll, I guess tinfoil hat now. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, that was a that was a big tangent, but it was good. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I want to keep things in the AFC East. Looking at how hot the Patriots right are right now, um, their Bills were able to beat the Jets, uh, which is good. I was, I wasn't too worried, but there was still that little piece of me in the back of my head that was like, "Well, remember what happened against the Jaguars?" <laughs> um, but yeah, they did exactly what they should have done after two pretty underwhelming weeks. Um, yeah, I think it's easy to forget just how good they've been um, with how, yeah, after pretty much after the Titans game. Um, it's taken a little while, but I think, like, they're still second in scoring, fifth in total yards. Defensively, they're first in points allowed, First in yards allowed, first in takeaways, uh, first in like everything passing, top five against the run. Um, and part of that is competition, but they're doing what they should be doing against uh, those worst teams, uh, which I think is really important. Um, interesting matchup against the Colts this week. I think they should be able to come out on top in that one. Um, although it is noteworthy that, um, rookie tackle Spencer Brown came back for the game against the Jets, uh, and they were able to put up 45 points, um, and continue. yeah, and he'll <laughs> be out on the COVID list against the Colts. So, um, oh boy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not another 40 point game, but, um, <laughs> Because those just happen all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, three so far this season within ten weeks. That's pretty impressive. I'm actually gonna yeah. I'm gonna look that up quick. If you wanna, I don't know. If you wanna fill some space, talk about uh, this game here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what I would ex- what I would have expected, knowing the Bills. They typically are a team that doesn't succumb to trap games. Um, that made the Jaguars one especially interesting, but it was kind of just a weird week where it was just like something in the air of, I guess you could say America at the time, because there's so many upsets. Yeah. And fell. So like, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just a weird week. And it was just something like, 
it's just one of those bizarre anomaly games that like I don't think really means a ton in the grand scheme of things. Um, I also say, but I would say one thing that really upset me was uh, Mike White's performance and subsequent benching now. Yeah. Uh, just sucked to see because he, you know, he was a really fun story. And I made a lot of, a lot of really fun memes and it was nice watching him play. Uh, I mean, I think he might've been hurt because I remember him getting hurt in their, uh, their game against the Colts. Right. It's so maybe possible. I, I would love to make the excuse that he was playing an elite defense hurt. And that's why, uh, four interceptions, but, um, I, I don't really know. It's it sucks to see that he, he kind of falls in the same categories. Backups who went off early and then went back to being backups. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I hope that's not the end for him. But uh, you never know in this league what can happen. And uh, you know, the Jets are now rolling out an elite quarterback against some <laughs> Joe Flacco. Yeah. Uh, you no, know, they have to make games fair, so they have to keep them on the sidelines. But now, with all the injuries, they're forced to bring it out there. So, <laughs> Dolphins, I, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, you guys had a great defensive performance against Lamar Jackson, but now you have to play an elite quarterback who's in like a tier of his own. So, <laughs> so so best of luck. But uh, speaking of that, uh, the the AFC East now is also probably the most interesting it's like been in my entire lifetime since the Patriots have always yeah. been every year. Uh, like, well, I mean, if you don't consider uh, like 2008, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that was different. I don't know. I don't remember. I wasn't, I wasn't paying a ton of attention then, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, just thinking was... like, um, yeah, when pretty much every season since like 2000, what? Yeah, I mean, as, at least as long as we can remember and we've been paying attention. Um, actually, now that I think about it, 2008, I, yeah, sorry, this slipped my mind, but the, uh, the Patriots and Dolphins did tie for the lead with 11 and 5. Jets were close behind with 9 and 7. So that, that was an interesting one too, but, um, fair enough. <laughs> but yeah. Like- at least in time we've been watching football, this is the first time yeah. that the AFC East is interesting because the Bills and Patriots, at least as things stand right now, are both elite AFC teams. And and it's also like we talked about this last podcast, I believe, with like divisional games being packed in at the uh, end of the season. Yeah. And like it's weird that Bills and Patriots meet week 13 and 16. Like, Yeah, I wish it was later because it's possible that like – they'll be going into the last week um, with the division on the line. And yeah, it would be, it would be cool if it was against each other, but not how it yeah. worked out. Then again, like it, my first thought was like, well, I wish they would space that out more, but then again, it builds like immense amp- anticipation for that stress that stretch of the season because like both the Bills and Patriots should theoretically be at their best going into the postseason, which that's the goal of teams to be playing your best football around postseason time. So like, yeah, you're not getting like, you know, if they play, if the Bills played the Patriots early in the season, that probably would have been a big win for the Bills. But if the Bills play, play the Patriots now with on this Patriots hot stretch, it's a different story. So like, 
assuming both teams are at their highest possible level of play, weeks 13 and 16, um, it's going to just be incredible. And you know, I guess I guess we'll see how that plays out for the NFL with all these divisional games packed in late. And if that really brings some awesome football with high stakes, then props to the league for scheduling that. And that's some you know something that's really interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, I pulled up the numbers here for most 40-plus point games um, through 10 weeks. It's actually a little more loaded than I expected. There have been 30 teams with three or more. The Bills are one of those. Um, So I guess that's tied for ninth most. Three teams have five, uh, being the 2013 Broncos, the 2018 Saints, and the 2000 Rams. And then there's a few teams with four as well. So, yeah, three 40-plus point games um, through 10 weeks is, yeah, it's interesting. It's not as insane as I might have thought before I looked that up. But, yeah, it's still pretty cool. My Madden franchises have done it too, (laughs) just to add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, is that is that just about it for that one? Um, yeah, yeah, cool. Talked about uh, that for a bit longer than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really quick, not much to say about this one. Cowboys over Falcons, forty-three to three. I just think like the Cowboys are real. Um, obviously, the offense is good, but the defense is more than doing their job. Um, and Matt Ryan is. Yeah, he's struggling with uh, what's left in these weapons here, as most quarterbacks would. Uh, obviously, without with Calvin Ridley taking some time for himself. Um, obviously, Kyle Pitts is a great talent, but he is a rookie tight end, and being a rookie tight end, what's that? Sorry, with nobody else to yeah receiving. Course. Being a rookie tight end and the clear number one receiving threat. Um. Yeah, it doesn't really put you in position to succeed. So, yeah. Did you have anything else to add to this one? Obviously, we saw what the Falcons did last night too. Um, but we'll talk about that more next week. Just yeah, not a great look for them. But yeah, the Cowboys are rolling uh, and in great position, mm-hmm. high in the NFC right now. Yeah, you know, the Cowboys are a really good team. Like I, I said last week, what happened in that game was just an anomaly. And the Cowboys kind of just had a frustration game this week. So, um, yeah, the outcome of this game isn't too surprising. Uh, but I, I kind of want to go on what you said about Matt Ryan. And I really feel for him, especially after watching last night. And this this Falcons team, obviously, Calvin Ridley's attending to his mental health needs. And um, Corral Patterson was injured. Offensive line just not be able to block anybody, and then receivers aren't creating separation. It's just rough in Atlanta, and they really need to start changing things up in the offseason. Um, I've kind of changed my mind on Matt Ryan from his early his play early in the season. I, I do think he's got some juice left, and I would like to see him maybe get traded somewhere else. Yeah, could his abilities. I don't know what spot that would be. Um, as a Steelers fan, I wouldn't mind him, but at the same time, if Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers are available, I'm sorry, Matty Ice, but I'd be going after those guys yeah. first. But um, 
if somehow those, you know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers wanted in on the Steelers, I would gladly take Matty Ice if those get those guys, but knowing the Steelers will end up with Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't I don't know what spot to be open, but you never know in this league. Maybe even Washington or yeah. I don't know. But I, I just I, I would love to see Matt Ryan go to a team that's in at least in a competitive space a competitive spot that could use his abilities because the Falcons just aren't there right now. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um it's at least something that I would want to see what he could do. Because, um, yeah, they've just been spitting their tires ever since Super Bowl 51 and haven't gained any traction. Um, yeah, I think, like, the Broncos are a possibility. Um, yeah, it's it's early to say, but, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what the future would look like for him right now, honestly. Yeah, I've always felt just really bad for him for that Super Bowl loss because I don't know. It was just like, it was just like, just I, I don't know how you just like live, how, how you live with that, like being that close with that big of a lead. It's just mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. I know the uh, the NFL posted uh, the uh, the Julian Edelman catch, and it just reminded me. Like, honestly, I hope. Robert Alfred is somewhere losing sleep over dropping that interception that could have <laughs> sealed the game. Would have been his second of the game. Could have been like Super Bowl MVP game sealing moment. And now he's, yeah, the, uh, really. the, the butt end of one of the most crazy plays in NFL history. Yeah. Or, you know, Kyle Shanahan for not like, running the ball and kicking a game winning field goal. But yeah. you know that that's another thing with a uh, Shannon Fraud. Yeah, we could I pretty I feel like we've broken down like every aspect of that game <laughs> multiple times. Painful. And I could still I could still do it again and again. It's just so <laughs> absurd. Um <clears throat> sorry. But yeah, maybe that's a good spot to move on from um sorry staying in the nfc south uh look at the panthers over the cardinals this one was kind of surprising honestly just given um yeah how big the win was for the panthers like 34 to 10 that's really impressive um not only is cam back but christian mccaffrey was as well he had over 150 yards from scrimmage Cam Newton had a touchdown on each of his first two plays, um, not only back in Carolina, but of the season as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was impressive. Did you see the uh, the quote uh, when he was asked how, how much of the playbook he had learned and he just said two touchdowns worth? That's a very Cam response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cardinals offense – Definitely came back to earth without Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I don't know what the timeline is like, if they're going to be back this week or what. Um, I'll see if I can find that quick. But, yeah, just an ugly performance on that side of the ball for them. Um, kind of an interesting 
little storyline is uh, Hassan Reddick had one and a half sacks and a forced fumble in his little revenge game here. Interesting. Yeah, it's cool to see how much Cam's energized his team and the NFC wildcard race is so open that the Panthers could theoretically get back into it. It would be um, interesting. I mean, I wouldn't predict talent on both sides of the ball to do it. And um, I'm curious to see how their offense looks with Cam as their full-time quarterback and how Cam you know, looks like coming back into the fold. Um, So it's, they're an interesting team. For the Cardinals, I'm not too stressed because obviously Kyler and Hopkins are out, but I just need those guys back. And it's such a and it's just so weird to lose your number, your you know, your starting MVP candidate quarterback, and your elite, arguably best in the game wide receiver. That just sucks. And you know, it's been you know they were able to get a big win against the Niners without them. But like you said, they come down, they've come back down to earth, and they need those guys back desperately. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it looks like. Um... DeAndre Hopkins, as of yesterday, did not participate participate in practice this week, and Kyler Murray was limited. So, hmm. um, something to monitor. Yeah, I don't know as a yeah what that would mean um, at this point in the week. I would probably expect Kyler to play, and Murray might be no Hopkins might be uh, on the fence going into the game, but. Yeah, uh, we'll see with that. Anything else to add before we uh, move along from that one? No, not really. Cool, cool. Uh, I want to talk about the Vikings and the Chargers next. 27 to 20. Um, This one, to me, just kind of felt like the perfect storm of, like, what these two teams have been for the past few years, where the Chargers just can't seem to win these games that they need to. Um, to show that they're like a really competitive team while the Vikings seem to um, kind of slip up and take themselves out of the playoff picture. And then all of a sudden they'll get a win like this, where maybe it doesn't mean a lot to them, but uh, to the other team, it could throw off their whole season. Yeah. And like knowing these two teams, I was like, I was expecting this game to end on a missed field goal. Yeah. just <laughs> like two Super talented team, so like zero luck, and um, but it, I mean, it was a really good one. Uh, it was nice to see, uh, my 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 guy, the Kirk Kirk Captain Kirk, go off. Yeah. And, um, really like their trifecta, their main duo of Cousins, Cook, and Jefferson all all went off and all really helped lead the way. Mike, yeah, I think this was really offensively. This was really what they want to mm-hmm. be where cousins was really efficient uh cook had over 100 yards from scrimmage jefferson got a lot of volume and Thielen was kind of sprinkled in there with a few receptions of his own um mm-hmm. so Conk yeah. won a couple touchdowns their tight yeah. end who they're involving a bit more and um mike zimmer actually coached a good game surprising <laughs> and um yeah this is just like this is what i this is why i, I have high aspirations for the Vikings because of games like this where the town's really clicking. And um, even going into this game, they lost Daniel Hunter, uh, star right. edge rusher for the season. And, you know, they still won a big game in SoFi. Granted, there were more Vikings fans than Chargers fans and SoFi. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, there's more fans of 
at the Chargers home stadium, which is kind of jarring since they have Justin Herbert as their quarterback. But, but yeah, I, my is the Vikes are scary talented and to not sleep on them going forward. I could still see them getting in the playoff mix. Kind of, kind it's of like the close sense. Yeah. Talented team that started off slow. Granted the Vikings, they lost so many games. They should have won. They, they do that every year, but, um, I still think they can get in the playoff race, and I think they're going to be a team that like nobody wants to face because of their firepower and then some of the plays they can make on defense. Yeah, I just find it hard to get excited about them. Um, they sold the Packers twice to finish out the year. The Bears twice, which could be a matchup issue. Um, hmm. the, yeah, I just... Yeah, the Rams as well, Steelers. I just don't I don't love their odds. I it, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't like match that. Up down the stretch, but uh, did you just like slip slip in a? You like that joke? I said I don't. Yeah, I said I don't like that. But when this game, I, I was saying you like that. Yeah, I did like that. <laughs> Maybe if the Bears run more bootlegs into the best uh, pass rusher on the field, it'll help the Vikings out. <laughs> like like the play the. The Justin Fields bootleg into an unblocked TJ Watt. Yeah, just straight at him, like <laughs> for twenty yard sack. Yeah, moment. yeah, that was <laughs> a bad one. Um, yeah, sorry. We should yeah get moving along uh, if that's yeah. all good there. Yeah, um, yeah. Packers over Seahawks, seventeen nothing in Lambeau for the Packers. Uh, maybe Wilson wasn't ready after all. This is the first shutout of his career, the first shutout for the Seahawks since 2011. Um, yeah, not the instant classic that you kind of hope for with a Rodgers-Wilson matchup, but uh, we did get probably one of the like statistically least likely plays in the NFL uh, with not only Aaron Rodgers throwing an interception, but Jamal Adams, of all people, being on the receiving end. Yeah, and, and after that play... Uh, Jamal Adams tweeted, meme that with an exclamation point. Yeah. Challenge accepted. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it is crazy. Like Aaron Rodgers just doesn't throw interceptions and Jamal Adams just doesn't catch interceptions. But uh, it, it is kind of funny. He tweeted that after a game where they lost 17 to nothing. But um, yeah, I mean, I was hoping for a great game, but we got rusty wilson instead of russell wilson yeah that you know he, he apparently rehabs his finger 19 hours a day which when i heard that i started dying of laughter but um yeah i, I just don't think he was i think he was trying to force himself back and of course yeah. that's admirable but yeah it's just just weird weird game for seattle and the I mean, the packers their defense is legit their their team is legit and um it's just crazy how stacked the NFC is at the top end. Yeah. Did you know the Packers have the number three scoring defense in the league right now? I mean, it doesn't surprise me after seeing their performances against Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Murray. They've yeah. been in, like Aaron Rodgers, the one time he's had an elite defense, he's won a Super Bowl. So that could follow suit this year. I mean, the Packers are my favorite to lose in the NFC Championship game. So let's <laughs> that's let's usually see. a pretty safe bet. 
Yeah, so let's see if they can uh, maybe third time's a charm, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, if that's all from that one. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at the Eagles and Broncos, 30 to 13. Uh, pretty much all I have to say about this, and we've spent some time this week <laughs> talking about it. Teddy Bridgewater should have made some sort of effort to tackle Darius Slay. I don't know. Just to me, that's like unacceptable for, I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen the clip by now, (laughs) but Darius Slay has the ball running towards the end zone. Bridgewater is pretty much the last line of defense. Um, And he just not even directly in front of him, just kind of, does a little like shoulder fake and backs off. Um, which, yeah, just, I don't know. I like, sure, there's certain standards for like the kind of contact you want your quarterback to take. But to me, I just think it's 10 times out of 10, I want a guy that's willing to put his body on the line to make a play for the team like that. And I know Bridgewater has the injury history, Mm -hmm. but you're less likely to get injured making a tackle than you are getting tackled. So, yeah, I don't know. To me, I just think it's obvious. I, If I'm Vic Fangio or uh, a Broncos coach in general, I'm not happy about that. Yeah, and I totally get that. I, I respect how passionate you are about this. Um, I would say just, I was thinking more so just because of Teddy's injuries that like this dude's almost had his career ended because of, you know, big time knee surgeries. So I, I guess there's really any quarterback in the league that I would not want tackling somebody on that's like anciently old. Like, if this was, like, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson or someone like that ducking away from a tackle, then I would criticize because they're young, they're athletic, you know, they're healthy, at least from what I see. With Teddy, I I, don't, I just think he's been through enough to where I can kind of give him a pass for not putting himself on the line like that. But with most, if it was really most other quarterbacks, I would probably – get on them for not making that play for their team on a case-by-case kind of thing I kind of give Teddy a little bit of a pass yeah and that's valid I just think like I don't know like was yeah you don't want anybody playing scared at any point um but in a one-score game when like I said, he's the last line of defense to prevent a touchdown. And it's not even like he wasn't in position. Like, he was right there, pretty routine tackle. So, for him to freeze up and draw back in a situation like that, it's just – it's not a good look from a professional athlete. Yeah, yeah, and I totally get that. Like, I'm not totally against it. I, I, I just thinking more so just because, like, Teddy even playing after some of those injuries that he had is pretty miraculous. So like, I, I don't know to put him, put himself in the position to get hurt. Like I, 
I know after one of Brady's interceptions, he just stood in the same spot for after he threw the pick and just had like his hands on his knees and just like frozen. Yeah. Saw that one. Like, that's also another sort of exception because he's anciently old and like that's also he's at that point the rest of the offense was still between Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know it's different, but I'm just bringing up another scenario. Yeah. Kind of, I found that one kind of funny, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, that's all I have to say. But yeah, like it's fair that you don't want Bridgewater to get hurt, but I also don't know if I want to start a quarterback who would get hurt making a tackle like that. So, um. <laughs> Well, you could start Drew Locke, and he can make a lot of tackles. Drew Locke would definitely make that tackle, and he would do it after each and every turnover, I guarantee it. Um, Yep. Yep. Well, he'll certainly throw a few of those if you put him in. uh, Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. I think at this point in the season, it's worth seeing what you have again. But, um, yeah, not not a great moment to be a uh, Broncos fan, that's for sure. Um, yeah, getting into the last games. Sorry, go ahead. That's since good old Peyton retired. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Moving on uh, to the Sunday night game between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Um, obviously an impressive win, 41-14 for the Chiefs. I don't want to say that they're back just given how high that standard is um, with what they were, but obviously like 400 yards and five touchdowns from Mahomes um, is yeah. Refreshing to see again. It almost seems like he should be doing that every week, but um, yeah, with how kind (laughs) of. I mean, that's what people's standards are. For yeah. him. I mean, which I say, like, sorry to cut you off, but like, that's kind of shows how great he is that, like, when he's not clearly the best quarterback in the NFL, people say that he's been quote unquote figured out. Like, yeah. if that's the way to, show, the way to say that you are the best, like, that's, that's an easy way to, to say that. Yeah. And I think some of this, like, um, yeah, you definitely kind of got the full Mahomes experience in this one. Um, obviously, throwing to Helen Kelsey helped him a lot. Um, and I think the uh, the one throw to uh, Darrell Williams where Williams had to like make that incredible catch in front of the safety that easily could have been an interception instead of a touchdown. Um I mean, so Grant, just, he's, yes. in, he's in Vegas, so you can you're gambling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're willing <laughs> to take that risk. Um, yeah, so I think you got you got to kind of keep those in mind. But um, this, yeah, this is what he does. He's going to make those tough throws that some people might not, and sometimes it doesn't work out for him. But in this one, it did. Um, kind of another funny one. We got the Deshaun uh, Jackson. Big catch over the top. Looks like he's going to go for a touchdown and then turns around and loses the ball. Um, yeah. 
it just kind of brings to mind that Deshaun Jackson has like one of the best low light reels. Um, for a player of his caliber, he has some of the dumbest plays in NFL history, really. Like just with him either trying too hard to make a play or uh kind of getting lazy and obviously the uh the big one is the um throwing the ball the, behind the spike at the one yard line right <laughs> yeah. um sort of stuff like that or like one that comes to mind for me a lot is um when he was with washington and he was returning a punt and caught it like reversed field twice lost like a yard and then fumbled <laughs> uh, yeah. i don't know if you no, I don't remember what year that was, but I yeah, I remember watching it live and being like, "What is this guy doing?" Um, <laughs> and obviously, he can make plays, so he he's gonna try. But um, yeah, it was just one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, I, it's it's crazy how often this happens to him specifically. Yeah, because he has like a clear line in the end zone, and he like stops and turns, and then just gets the ball completely stripped from him. Yeah. Like yeah, it's like it's like when you accidentally tap the uh, the uh, lateral button in Madden. Yeah. Like, I did not mean to do that. Yeah, um, yeah, he's doing dumb things on the field and certain dumb thing off of it. Yeah. The reference that I'm making, I certain. I think I. Do. I wouldn't want to quote that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, did you have anything else to add for this one before we get into the Monday night game? No, not really. The only thing I would say is that um, it's also it was just like the kind of Mahomes Andy Reid game that you expect. Even like Andy Reid being deep in his duffy of play calls and formations and stuff. Like it's just nice seeing them be the Chiefs again as a kind of fan of Mahomes and them, just because they're super fun to watch. It's like. Just, just like the creativity and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's nice. I, well, I, it's nice to see them have a performance like this, and I just hope they're back because I think the league's more fun with them doing their thing. Yeah, for sure. One last thing I wanted to note is the uh, the Raiders scored over thirty points in both week uh, six and seven, and then since their by uh, past two games, they've scored thirty combined. Um, huh. Yeah, we'll yeah. have to see if they can kind of get back on track there. Yeah, they're they're in a weird spot, especially after all the off the field things, and they're they've been kind of up and down. But the whole AFC West has been so it's kind of weird to monitor week to week. Yeah, absolutely. I will have to see with the uh, AFC rate playoff race really thickening down the stretch uh, if they're gonna hang on and kind of assert their role in the mix there. Um, but yeah, last game uh, of Week Ten, looking at the 49ers' thirty-one to ten win at home against the Rams. Um, kind of a statement victory, I guess. The 49ers are technically still alive at four and five, um, and the Rams were looking like one of the best teams in the league before this. And now, who knows? Uh, with the way the past two weeks have gone. Um, it's just kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah just really like, disappointing for LA. Um, Stafford had an opportunity in this one to really 
seize control of the MVP conversation, in my opinion. Um, but had another off game. Granted, the one neither interception was awful, given the circumstances. Obviously, mm-hmm. the one was like a was it a drop on a screen? I believe uh, to yeah, from yeah, yeah, and then the other one, um, not a well advised throw to try but um yeah i think i like the talent is still there obviously on this rams team they should be okay it was just bizarre um Odell Beckham jr only had two catches in his rams debut uh people were really quick to jump on that i don't think that's fair given that he only had (laughs) like a week to learn one of the most complex offenses in the league um i think they'll definitely have a bigger role in the future especially with robert woods out for the season Mm -hmm. but yeah um sorry why don't you take it from there for a minute yeah it's just kind of bizarre just because like they made these all these aggressive moves getting von miller getting odell you know really showing that they want to you know make this super bowl push with this really talented roster and then they have two stinkers back to back in prime time so like yeah it's just it's just weird you know i'm not really gonna like i don't think this is super important because they're still so talented and across the board and mcveigh's mcveigh's obviously one of the best coaches in the league so i'm not gonna dwell too much on this you know divisional games like i say are always weird and this was a great example of it yeah so um I don't know how much of a statement game this is for the Niners, who have been a very up-and-down team that I honestly just don't think is that good. But um, I think this is more just a stinker from the Rams. And going forward, you know, they, they, they lose a few games in a row where they suffer some more injuries. Like, I know Robert Woods got hurt, but, like, they suffer some more major injuries. Then I'm worried, but right now I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, for sure. I'm just thinking, like, looking at the 49ers schedule, they have some really winnable games coming up. Um, they have the Jaguars this week, and then Vikings, Seahawks. We'll have to see how they are at that point. Bengals, mm-hmm. Falcons, uh, and then Texans down the stretch as well. Mm-hmm. So they're, the playoffs are definitely within reach. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't be worried about the Rams because obviously the talent is still there. It's just a matter of kind of building that chemistry um, uh, most obviously with uh, Stafford and Odell Beckham Jr. But yeah, just kind of an embarrassing couple weeks for them. Um, Yeah, we'll have to see kind of what the rest of the season holds. Um, Rams defense Something I'm fretting over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the Rams defense just wasn't like what we kind of know it to be from these past couple of years. Uh, Debo Samuel just kept making plays um, no matter how much it hurt my fantasy week. Um, but, I'm very true to my old philosophy, but I won't say yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, know, I know how you feel about that, but... Um, Rams on by this week, and then, yeah, they got a tough test coming off of it with the Packers on the road. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, they should be okay. I think this is a good spot to have the bye for them after these two losses in a row. But, um, yeah, 
we'll have to see what the rest of the season holds for them. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wish there was kind of more to um, go off of from this game, but it wasn't – it was kind of just a big letdown. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, hopefully – Hopefully the rest of week 11 is a little, a little stronger. Um, but yeah, we've been, we've been running pretty long this episode. So I think yeah. that's just about time to call it there. Did you have any final thoughts on this week before we uh, say goodbye? No, 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 I don't. Go a little longer. I guess, I guess time just flies when you're having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, time flies when you're talking about how the uh, Patriots dynasty is a sham. Um, <laughs> Fraudulent. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's uh, that's all from us this week. Um, thanks again for listening. Ryan, thanks for joining me, as always. Oh, of course, it's always fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of fun stuff coming up this week. Looking forward to talking about that. Uh, yeah, when we, when we get the time to, whenever that'll be. Um, so yeah, yeah. uh, until then, hope you all have a good week. Enjoy the upcoming games and yeah, hope to see you back next time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Take care, everyone.